Hello, and welcome to the Yet Another Value Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Walker, and with me today, I'm excited to have my friend, Francisco uh, Oliveira. Uh, I don't, I'm laughing because I'm going to say you're the president at, you tell me how to pronounce it because you told me it's your last name backward. It is a nonsense word. You're the president yeah, at. Aravilo Capital Fund and Aravilo Capital Management. So yeah, just uh, Oliveira is my last name and Aravilo is backwards. Well, I, I'm just laughing at that word and now that I know the history, but uh, let me start this podcast the way I do every podcast. That's by pitching you, uh, despite having a nonsense word for a uh, partnership. <laughs> Francisco, look, anyone who follows me probably follows him. So you know how sharp he is. He's one of my favorite investors. He runs a, you know, a uh, handful of his portfolio is a handful of names, big bets on good companies trading at attractive prices. Uh, but you know, he's not here to run 50 stocks in 2% positions. He, when he sees something, he swings hard. And I love to talk to him about media. I love his portfolio. So really excited to have him on. Um, I, I guess that out the way, let's just flip it over. Your newest position, Roblox, went uh, public through direct listing. I think you were out there buying the moment they came public. So tickers RBLX. Francisco, what are you seeing in Roblox? Well, first, Andrew, uh, huge fan of viewers, and and obviously followed your uh, your blogs, newsletters, your your paid subscriptions. So I'm a huge and your podcast. I'm a huge fan. So um, appreciate. I don't know a lot of value out of out of your service. Um, Roblox, they they like to call themselves like the human co experience category, but what it really is is a an application where users come on and they go onto different what they call experiences, but they're really just games. So you can go on there and there's basically 13 million experiences. It can be a racing game, a Formula One game, NFL, a game where you're just adopting pets and taking care of them. Um, basically anything that you can imagine. And what is kind of different about them is that the games are really created by the users. So it's all user generated. Roblox is not creating the games. And it's, it's a platform that benefits from two things, right? You have good content attracts users and then users attracts creators to come in and users to create content. So they, what they call a flywheel. But what's kind of also neat about this is also there's a social aspect to it. So it's live 3D virtual worlds. You go on a game and then you can go on with your friends. You can chat with them. You and I can go on a Formula One game and race against each other, chat about it. And then say like, hey, Andrew, let's hop, let's hop on to this you know NFL game and we'll go there. So it has um, a more social-like feature, more like a social network in a sense. And you become friends with people there as well. And the more friends that you have on the, on the platform, the more attractive it is for to tell other friends and for new friends to come join. So it kind of benefits what, what they call um, like basically two flywheels. So I think it's, it's very interesting from that aspect. And we can get into some of the economics behind it or other, other parts. But at a high level, really, it's an application uh, mostly accessed via mobile phones, but also PC, tablets, uh, Xbox, um, some virtual reality headsets. And, and then users come in and, and they, they play and they interact with, with their friends. That's perfect. That's perfect. And I'm going to ask some basic questions. I, obviously, I've, I've done research leading this podcast. I've, I've never actually played the product. Is it true? The rumors your due diligence consisted of just playing Roblox for four hours a day for the past? <laughs> well, I have a five-year-old. Um, so he, he, he kind of became, diligence. He became my kind of go-to and, and seeing him basically use it and how he interacts. You know, the social aspect of it with, with the five-year-old is not really kicking in, the, in yet. Um, Cause he's not really chatting with friends and, and, and things like that, but 
but I do see how he chooses games, plays, um, interacts with it. He he wants me to to buy him more of uh, the Robux currency so he can spend on the platform. So try to you know initially five dollars here, five dollars there, but you know you got to take it easy because they they'll, they take whatever. It adds um, up. It adds up. I remember when adds. I was little, I loved magic cards, and you know there's it's only three dollars a pack, but you get a couple yeah. packs and it adds up. Uh, so let me just ask a couple basic questions because yeah. you know I've done, but I, I'm sure there are people who haven't really experienced this. Um, Roblox, the, the two things that I think probably come to mind, you know, whenever you hear online world and stuff, I think people probably think World of Warcraft. That's pay. Mm-hmm. I believe Roblox is free. And then comparing Roblox to Minecraft, like how do you think about the difference between the two of those? There are a lot of similarities. There are differences. Um, many of those games you pay for them. And they, some of them do have a creator ecosystem, but this was more explicit that like, it's, it's basically, you don't go there to like have a, a singular game or pay for a singular game. You go there just because you just want to experience a bunch of different games. And some of them aren't really games, right? Some of them are just kind of, one is just like delivering pizza. One of them is um, called like splash. And then you can just go to like a club and dance and be a DJ and create music. Um, so it's just, it's sort of like different worlds, right? I think what's really different is that they push really hard. The fact that they want, um, users, what they call developers to create for the platform and, and for them to monetize, uh, their own experiences and they push as well, your identity and they have an, um, an avatar store where you, you pick the clothing that you have and the skin tone, how tall you are, hats, t-shirts. You can buy a Tom Brady Super Bowl jersey from the Buccaneers there. Um, so it's really having your own identity, experiencing the old worlds, but but really truly being a user, fully user-generated uh, content experience where you're just, you have many creators. I think they have about 8 million active creators, but obviously, and they paid out to developers cashed out over 300 million last year but obviously it's the the top tier the ones that really really make the money but i think it's more truly focused minecraft you can be a a a developer creator but you got to have your own server it's more about it's 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 a little bit different than the actually hey you buy the minecraft game and you play minecraft it's almost like building a website and experience and 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 roblox works really hard to have a studio platform where the creators make the games and it's all part of the part of the process there. So it's, it's avoiding that singular experience more and being more creator driven. I think it's how I would differentiate, but there's a lot of similarities as well. So if I'm just thinking about in my head, right. The, you know, when ready player one came out, everybody's talking about the metaverse and everything and Roblox in many ways, it's, Hey, we've got this metaverse. We're this platform. And Andrew, if you love, you know, Disney movies, you can go build a Disney world. I I don't know if they've got Disney licenses and everything, but you can go build a world that's Disney like and invite people to come onto it. And you can even sell them, sell them goods through your things and make a living by selling things on this thing. And obviously the Roblox platform is, Hey, we connect the users with, we connect the customers with these developers. We take a cut of the Roblox and everything, but that's the basic business model. So we think about that. Yeah. So here, here's how I think about it. Um, So essentially it's free, right? But there is a, a, a currency in the game that first a user has to pay to buy the currency and then they have the currency and then they'll go to an experience. And the way, let's talk about that Formula One game. 
Uh, we go to the Formula One game, maybe we can use the slower cars, but if we want to use the Ferrari, then we have to actually, potentially we've got to pay for it. The, it, it all, the, the creator dictates how they want to monetize. Mm-hmm. So if we're in that experience, right? And hey, you can use any car, but the Ferrari, you got to pay X amount of Roblox. Well, we have to have the currency, we pay for the currency, and then we pay in the, in the actual experience for the car. And the developer takes a 70% take of that. When they cash that out, there's essentially another fee. So if we talk about the gross dollars that you and I spend to buy the currency, the creator takes maybe like a quarter of that after you account for the 70% of the currency in the game and then a fee for cashing out. Perfect. And so the, if I spent, if I bought one Roblox for a dollar or whatever, and I gave it to you, when you, after you withdrew it, how much would you net? So it's, it's basically a quarter, basically. So you would um, net 25 cents if I gave you a dollar. In if I'm the you're saying I'm the creator of yeah. the game. Yeah, if you bought a Ferrari in my game and you're the user, I would when I cash it out, it'll be it'll net a like a quarter around there. But if I keep the currency, it's a big take rate. Um but if if I keep the currency, it's just 70%. Yeah. Here's a couple of things, right? As a creator. If you spend a hundred Robux on my on my game, and I take I get seventy, right? But there's an exchange rate when you cash it out. But if I I can keep that seventy, I can accumulate it. I can spend it on. There's a developer marketplace where developers can sell each other different things. So like if if there's a a cool sound effect that another creator made, and I wanted to I want to add that sound effect when yep. someone crashes a car in my game, I can pay that developer so I can use that there and so there's a difference the take rate is not as high because you're actually investing in your game and you're not paying the fee when you cash out but yeah it it is a high take rate the company said that they're gonna as they grow and scale that cost benefits you know they spend very little marketing gna doesn't have to scale as much as they keep expanding globally they're gonna keep uh, increasing the the payout rate for for developers perfect perfect okay and and, go ahead and the other thing is that's interesting is like you know, this is mainly consumed in, in mobile platforms. And if you're thinking about launching an individual mobile game, right, you got to spend a lot of money and you got to get people to download that app. You got to keep people on that app. You got to spend maybe a uh, cost for AWS. And so there's a lot of cost for, for, for being a consistent winner in this business. And they take all that away. They can give you exposure. They bring the audience. Um, they bring the monetization. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about cloud or anything or or, or or as much as acquiring users. So there are benefits. It's, it's a little bit different than saying like, you know, the take rate that Xbox gets from a Grand Theft Auto uh, game. It's not really yeah. apples to apples in that sense. No, I, I get you. And, and that's a great point because this is not, you know, they are providing all the servers. They're providing the user. all the, You're basically just plugging in everything you get is kind of incremental margin. Obviously, there was the time investment on your end. But it reminds me of Chick-fil-A. Like, I think Chick-fil-A's royalty rate is 15% or something, which is way higher than every other uh, restaurant chain. But Chick-fil-A also, when you're opening, they literally buy the property and build the property up. So part of it is there was no upfront cost to you. They're kind of mm. recouping those upfront costs. Yeah. Okay. So I think we did a great job uh, with the overview. I, l- let me come with the pushback one, right? Yeah. When I saw you invest in Roblox, my first thought was Roblox's value is around $40 billion, uh, enterprise value, some somewhere around $40 billion. Uh, if I just look at that, uh, I think Activision Blizzard, 
uh, which, you know, that, that owns tons of franchises, World of Warcraft, Diablo, uh, tons of Call of Duty, all these major, that's valued at 70 billion. Take two, which makes uh, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, a couple other, that's valued under 20 billion. So I looked at this and I my first thought was Roblox, one game company, uh, $40 billion. I compare that to these other huge companies and that valuation just seems ridiculous. So when I give you that first piece of pushback, how would you respond to that? The way I would look at it is that they're different business models. And yes, they're, people are playing games, but but it's also not the same type of games and, and not the same type of experience. I, I honestly, it'd be like comparing, you know, let's rewind a couple of years ago. Let's be like comparing like selling Paramount Studios for 10 billion and then YouTube's worth 50 plus billion, right? Um, and you're saying, well, like, you know, people spend more on the box office than YouTube at the time or or something like that. But but the reality is here, um, many of these game studios have to like they have to put they have to have a huge upfront cost. And it's it's a hit driven business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They have evolved many of those models as a more of a recurring type of relationship. But here it's very different here. It's you basically got. Um, if, if Grand Theft Auto 6 fails, right, or is not a big hit, that's going to be a huge problem for Take-Two stock. If something breaks down with, with Call of Duty of the next game, that's going to be a problem for Activision stock. Here you have 8 million developers pushing out. Um, there's 13 million active experiences. You know, you're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new ones every day, more shots on goal to, like, keep people on the platform playing, engaging, spending. You have to remember before, uh, not remember, but looking at the data, even before the pandemic, the average user spent over two hours a day on this. And they can keep those users because they can keep them engaged and they can keep them spending. And the amount of money that they've been spending have, has been going over time. So it's it's a much stronger tie with the user and keeping them there versus I think Activision and, and I think Activision's bookings are over $8 billion. You mentioned the market cap is over 70. Uh, Roblox's bookings are probably going to be around 2.1 billion this year. Market cap is well into the 40 billions. You can say, well, but here they're still expanding globally. They have a, a, a big audience that is very sticky with them and growing with them and spending with them. And they're not really at risk if one game kind of is, is not good or one a, a, a top 10 game decides to sign a contract with, with Epic or Unreal and develop with them and take the game out of Roblox. They have another shot on goal in the sense like, look, if you take away Friends from Netflix, Friends is still is still going to be, I mean, Netflix is still going to do fairly well. Um, if you take a couple of uh, YouTube videos out of YouTube, YouTube is still going to have a, a great model where user-generated still powers it through. So I think, um, yeah, Roblox has to prove out its business model over the long term, that they can keep growing, people can keep spending more, and really that this is ends up being a very, very good business for developers. And I think that's where you have a the biggest kind of moat of the business, right? Spe- uh, the developers cashed out over $300 million last year. Last year. If, you're, if you're growing your users and spending and then you're eventually paying billions to developers, that's something extremely hard to yep. recreate. Um, and you think about the, the top AAA games, a, a, a very, you know, a Grand Theft Auto 6 type of game, you're, you're probably over, over $100 million spent, right? 
Um, here, if you're, you're paying billions, billions to developers, and, and we're still ways from that, but if you get to that level, then you can have maybe a, a potential Grand Theft Auto Type 6 quality game within Roblox experience. And once you have kind of that flywheel pushing those type of high quality experiences, it's it's really kind of uh, very difficult to compete with them or, or, or recreate this model. Um, so yeah. I think that's why it deserves a little bit of a different view than than those two. But those are two great companies. I think if I could simplify your thesis, the the way I came to think about it was the peop, the bear case is this is a one video game company, right? And your bull case is no, you're looking at it wrong. This is a platform company, and they are a platform that connects users on one side with developers on the other, and you get a flywheel going because eventually you've got, as you said. 500,000, 5 million, whatever different experiences. So users never have a reason to leave. And then developers never have a reason to leave because all the user on that platform. And over time, you get more users, which leads to more developers, which leads to more experiences, so on, so on. And that's the flywheel. Whereas, you know, when you look at a video game company, as you're saying, every year they have to release a new video game, which is, it costs money. They have to market it. Who knows if it's going to be a hit or not? And the margins are just over time much lower because the incremental cost of adding a user, adding a developer, taking an incremental payment here is basically zero. So everything should be pretty high margin once you at scale. Yeah, look what happened to to Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, right? Uh, very yeah, you know, a lot of money spent, a lot of hype, a lot of people bought the game, but it was an absolute disaster. And then you know, look, you can look at the stock price of, of what happens there, and that's just one game that was a very very important game for for that company um here actually like if you have a lot of churn a lot of failure but more and more and more being developed and more shots on goal um that's in a way that that's even that's even better right so i think kind of the the amount of content being created i think it's a, it's a huge advantage it's, it's it's more like a diversified uh play so that's that's what i and and something i mentioned earlier it's mainly engaged in mobile but they're expanding more on other platforms but if you look at another mobile game, just one, just like an uh, like an Angry Birds mobile app, you download it. But keeping someone there coming every day, spending hours nonstop, is extremely hard. Eventually, they'll get tired of it, right? Unless you just it can keep creating, keep creating, keep spending, keep spending. Um, but spending on people, making a great game, keeping them there, making them download the app, it's 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 really tough. Um, it's in a way, it's like. You know, one app to watch one movie versus one app that has many movies like on, on, on Netflix in a way. It's not obviously the same comparison, but just that the, the fact that it's a platform that has many experiences is, is an enormous advantage. No, that, that's a great I, I love the way you frame that. That's a great point. Let me talk about uh, this is actually the risk I think is the biggest. So uh, we've talked about how they've got this flywheel. They've got a great user time. The biggest risk to me is I think 70% of users are under 17, more than half are under 12, right? So like when I think of a Grand Theft Auto 5, right? Uh, they've got a huge user base. Users are really engaged, very similar to Roblox. But for Grand Theft Auto 5, let's say I was a big player and I'm uh, 32 and I decide for whatever reason to unsubscribe. Six months later, a year later, if Grand Theft Auto kind of tries to reacquire me, they're basically acquiring the same person, right? I'm a 33-year-old me. Maybe I'm a little fatter, but my interests are the same. I haven't <laughs> changed as a person. Uh, if they try, you know, Roblox, your son, five years old. If for some reason your son churns for six months, right? When Roblox tries to reacquire him, they're literally acquiring a new person. Or, you know, I think of when a 12-year-old goes to, go, when all these kids who've been stuck at home, when they go back to school and engagement goes down a little, when Roblox tries to reacquire them like 
it feels like that's going to be a more difficult thing. So how do you look at this user base, which is extremely young? And obviously people love to get young user bases because you can form lifelong habits. But I worry a 10-year-old playing a video game is going to be much a much different consumer five years from now. How do you think about that? So I have, I have two thoughts. I think reacquiring as long as they're doing a good job, wouldn't be necessarily as hard because it's a social aspect as well. So maybe yeah. my son gets tired of it for a couple of weeks or a month or so, but if, if his friends are still there and they're, and he's not in an age where you're chatting, but I'm talking about older kids, if their friends are there and they're chatting and they're experiencing, they're talking, you know, you're going to go back. It's like trying to down, uh, delete the Instagram app or Facebook. Like it, it, eventually you get pulled back if, if, if you know a lot of people that are there and are experiencing and doing well the content. I think the bigger challenge is how do you age up the audience? Like, like you said, I think uh, two, two thirds of, of the audience of the, of the daily users are under 17. Um, but actually the over 17 group is the one that's growing the fastest uh, over the past, last couple of years. But anyways, to, to age up, you got to, ch- you got to change the platform. You got to evolve the platform. And this is where I get, I think, that is, it's a risk, but it's also an opportunity. If, if I rewind and look at Roblox and some of the experiences and how it was and the graphics and the platform, how it was five years ago, you kind of have to go on YouTube and look at images and kind of read things from the past, but it's evolved a lot. It's improved a lot. The graphics are way better. And then as I look at like developers that post on Twitter and are working new beta products and um, in terms of imaging, graphics, sound, uh, lighting, and and you see the quality of that, it's 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 improving a lot. So I think over time, what you want is to to kind of evolve the platform, improve the tools, let you know. It would, if the growth comes from the current users and the money that's being given to developers that they spend more, right? And then they use those new tools. And then eventually the top kind of games are evolving into different things, right? So what's more relevant, you know, it becomes, it kind of caters to the audience as they age up. Yep. And, and that'll benefit from, from having the developers that they do. So if developers, something I mentioned earlier, like if developers are being paid more and they have better tools and the developer marketplace is way better because like they can sell each other different things, then the type of experiences will change. And that's why I'm bullish on them being able to retain users and age up the platform, because I do believe that they are changing as they grow and as they get different users um, and with time and with the investment that they're, they're, they're doing. So what's kind of exciting is what are the top games in five years or experiences, right? And I think they're going to look fairly different. There might be some that kind of stick around, like the the Adopt Me game is is has been up there for a while. But I think if you look at the top ten, the top twenty five, there's going to be a lot of new things that we don't we don't even uh, we're not even thinking about. Um, and some might be kind of temporary things. So they had the Little Nas X concert that was viewed by tens of millions of people. They they had like the, the Ready Player One author released a new book, Ready Player Two, and then he had like an Easter egg hunt in the Roblox platform. Um, and there's been a couple of things that they've done to to kind of change over time. They, they're, they're thinking about doing um, more things in the, the educational space, but even Hollywood and, 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 and is going to have to be that 
I'm confident because big companies are going to have to be here. So Nike had a partnership that people could get sneakers in, in the avatar marketplace. And I think millions of people got the, the sneakers when Wonder Woman 1984 came out. They partnered with Roblox. They created this whole Wonder Woman experience and an Easter egg hunt. And I think just kind of how, you know, every company, every big company and brands need to be on Facebook. I think they're going to need to be on, on Roblox um, because they're going to need to engage which, with people and invest in the platform because they're going to have so many people there. So I think the, the way the platform is being used will change. And that's what makes me bullish on them being able to age up the platform. If, if, if it's staying the same, the same games are the popular ones and the same users are, are using Roblox for similar things. And that's where I think that you you might just have a younger user base that kind of uses it and sticks there and it doesn't really evolve. But I do think in five years plus, the use cases will be significantly different, just how you know they were very different, you know, five years ago. If you and I wanted to go on Roblox and do an account, what what are experiences that they that like you know adults or older people would get? Because adopt me seems like you just go and you kind of adopt a pet and maybe feed it, which obviously I think that's a pretty younger audience. Though Animal Crossing is huge, but you know what are some of the older experiences that they have on Roblox? So they have they have a shooter games. They have they have a lot of people replicating things um, from from other game uh, platforms. I think there's someone who replicated a, a big part of the Grand Theft Auto world. I'm not sure, you know, they've had really had problems with the licensing of, of, of that type of thing, but, but they do have tried. Do you remember um, when Fortnite did this like Galactus Marvel event that yep, yep. everyone, someone replicated that in Roblox and it looks fairly high quality. So, so if we, if we, we wanted to engage in that battle, um, they have a partnership with Marvel. So that's why I think they were able to replicate that. Um so there are like more shooter type of experiences, more, but it's it's not there yet that where you and I would rather be on Roblox than, you know, maybe play Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty or even Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? It's it's not quite there, but there are some things that that you and I could have fun in and, and race, you know, cars and, and shoot games. There's one that you escape from jail. Um, so it's kind of like a runner type experience that you're trying to get out of a, a quasi maze. So there are things that you and I could have fun, but I would, I would, you know, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be the 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 most fun compared to the other alternatives, uh, adult alternatives. That's perfect. Uh, let me talk a little bit more about users because you know, in my head, I, I think you've done a great job laying out why this is a platform company and everything. But in my head, I, I look at this and I say, for the most part, you know, video games, and again, World of Warcraft. Is the one I keep coming back to, which different model, all that. I understand there weren't, but you know, World of Warcraft had a lot of these social network effects. Fortnite has a lot of these social network effects. Again, all of these are different models, but all of them have kind of, they've hit peak and then they peter out over time, right? So yeah. I, I guess my, I, I sent you a tweet, uh, Fortnite, there, there's a couple other free to play games that kind of copy it that are starting to surpass it. Uh, Minecraft, I think has lost a lot of users probably to Roblox, but I, I do look at this and I worry like, hey, we don't have a lot of examples of video games that have huge legs of huge legs of growth where they're just super sticky. There are some examples, you know, League of Legends and Counter-Strike are both like 10 to 20 years old and both of them are still extremely popular, but, you know, they're definitely past their peak leg. So how do you think about that risk? Yeah, it is a risk. I, th I think it's a huge space, uh, right? So I think a lot of people can do fairly well. But yeah, you don't want to... Um... You don't want to get to the point where 
kind of the flywheel start reversing and then you can't really kind of put it back together. Yep. And I, I think kind of one of the things that gives me confidence is that the, the average uh, user engages with 20 experiences a month. So think about it as a, like 20 different games, right? Um, so it's, it's 20 chances that you just in different games. So like my son can be on it. He might get tired of a particular Roblox experience, but he'll go on to the next one. Um, so that's, I think, why it's a little bit different. Like you can get tired of playing Battle Royale. Um, I think Fortnite's done a great job in terms of adding different characters and different experiences and, and adjacent kind of, you know, the party mode and concerts and things like that to kind of keep it there. And and obviously they're they're really going after the metaverse type of opportunity. Um, but when it when it's a, another particular game, which is soul experience, yes, you can go play Mario Kart for a particular time or, or Smash Brothers or or any other kind of uh, Nintendo game or other platform. But the fact that there's so many experiences that are improving over time, users engage with 20 a, a month. That's why I think they they have a, a chance to kind of keep you, keep you there. But hey, it's super competitive. Something kind of, I think Fortnite came out of the blue for, for many people. Robot kind of came out of the blue for many people. But here's a here's the thing. Um, um, this company was founded in 2006. I think it, the product actually launched 2008. So they've been kind of grinding at this for a time. And if you see a company that's been grinding for such a long period of time, and then they have breakout success well into the, you know, almost uh, 15 years or, or 10 plus years in, I think it's a company that really knows how to adapt, really knows how to push their strengths. And I, I think that's something I, I value highly in the company. And um, so very, very competitive. Like you said, someone can come out of the blue, but I think they have a reasonable sh- a shot of, of continuing to be relevant and in, in gaining in their user base uh, over time and globally. Cool. Let me uh, ask, you know, all my questions so far have been in sustainability and all this sort of stuff. Let me ask a, diff- a different question. Uh, I think there was a stat three quarters of Americans age nine to 12 play Roblox, which, you know, that, that is just a mind boggling yeah. stat. But when I, when I look at that, um, you know, you're paying over, you're paying over 20 times booking for this company. We, we can talk COVID effects on this, but I look at that and I say, oh, well, if three quarters of American are already playing Roblox, all of their growth, you know, has to come from one of two places. Uh, they have to expand the category, right? And probably get people, more people over 12 playing it. And I think you've talked about how you could maybe get that, especially as hopefully you retain your user base as they age up and then you refill that bucket with new users. But I guess when I look at this, I say, okay, 20 times bookings, they've already got just about every American 9 to 12 on there. Growth has to come internationally and international users tend to be, they tend to pay a much pay much less. They're much lower lifetime value because they, they tend not to have as much income. So how do you think about that? Like, have they already kind of reached saturation? People are paying five hours a day. They've got every American playing it. Like, how do you think about that risk? Um, yeah, it is a risk, but I think it's, it's still nine to 12, um, Look, I mean, it, uh, a one third is over seventeen, right? So there, there's still a, a big pie to take in, in in terms of the age group. So yeah, they have a huge concentration in that nine to twelve. But hey, they're they're doing they're probably growing fast with the five, six, seven, eight, and then they're they're growing faster overall with the over seventeen. That means they're aging up. So they're they're that that means they 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 have a special sauce with that group. But I think they're still at all age groups. And you're right. I think about uh about a third of actually of of i think it might be 38 or in that range or 32 are of daily active users are are us right but 
over two thirds of bookings are U.S. and Canada. Um, that previous stat was U.S. and Canada as well. So, like you said, um, not the major the, the minority of users are U.S. and Canada, and the majority of bookings are U uh, U.S. and Canada. So they do have. You're right that outside of the U.S., our pool is probably not going to be higher, but there's still a huge opportunity, right? Uh, to kind of increase the amount that people outside of the U.S. are spending. They have a, a, a JV with Tencent in China that uh, hasn't launched yet. And in Tencent, from, they've been going to, when they go to Wall Street conferences, they've actually spoken very highly of, of Roblox, excited about the opportunity. So that's just some optionality there. They, they only own 51% of it, not the whole thing, but they'll still get a big benefit there. So I think when I, you... When you think about kind of the global space, um, and this, and you know, they're growing really fast in Europe, and some of those markets could have much higher ARPU, and in ages below nine, ages above nine, I think they still have a lot of opportunity to 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 attack. Um, and this year, like they're not going to grow as fast, and their their daily users and engagement. I think they've said it's roughly flat, but obviously, right? If, if you're if you're not in school all day and you're all day in your house, right? You know, there's a lot of more hours that this user group could engage with last year. The fact that the engagement hours are flat, I think, is actually a, a, a this year they're they're projected. I think it's still um, fairly positive. So, long answer short, I think they they do have a big opportunity in the higher and the lower end age groups, and then I think in globally they still have a huge opportunity one of the things that they do is that if you're a, a developer in the us and you create this game they're creating the technology which automatically translates into a bunch of different languages so yeah. if i create this like shooter game and it's english everything's english click of a button um it can be german right it can be it could be you know spanish um they're growing very very they're growing fairly fast in in latin america so I think when when you look at the global the globe right and and the opportunity that they have here and you look at it more of a social network uh, type of type of platform, there's still a lot of opportunity to tackle. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, let, let me. You mentioned COVID. I, I guess let's just touch on that one more second. I think you addressed it pretty well, but I want to make sure we touch. You know, I I do think you look at this Peloton, uh, any other gaming company, Peloton, Zoom, all this stuff like. This was a mammoth beneficiary of COVID, right? People yes. were stuck at home, especially kids were stuck at home, no school. And, and you can see that in the financials. You know, I think, uh, oh, let me see if I can get my model up in time. Yeah, I think in 2018 to 2019, they grew like 40%. And then 2019 to 2020, they grew 100%. So COVID, you know, this is a 15-year-old company that doubled their growth rate 100%. Like COVID was this mammoth beneficiary. And I do think there is something to, you get a user on a platform who wouldn't have been there. It's a platform. They they're like they're locked in a little bit. So there is definitely a long-term boost, but it is difficult to look at the financial say how much of this was a one-time versus how much is long-term sustainable growth. So how are you thinking about that? Yeah. So the key is that's just what you said at the end there is is the key. The key is whether this was uh just like a bump that's gonna reverse, or they accelerated people who are gonna come on the platform anyways down the road. And just acquiring the user was that much easier because everyone was in their house. And I think as you go um, through the comparable this year is gonna be very, very tough. I think there's a reasonable chance that that they re-accelerate into 2022 and 2023. They're invest they're they're 
they had 400 million in free cash for last year. They basically said they're going to take that down. They're going to spend more. They're developing their their commercial team. They launched a, they announced a, a partnership with Hasbro, which I think is just touching the early days of, of potential partnerships that they can do. So licensing the brand to to it's going to be a monopoly game and then partnership with Nerf guns. And you're going to have to actually have Nerf guns that you can buy in the avatar store and use. And there's going to be a Nerf experience within Roblox. So I think they're, they're really taking the opportunity that they got all this, this um, they acquired all these users. They re, they accelerated the amount of cash that came in and they're putting it to work. And, and they just hired a chief scientist um, from NVIDIA and they're putting together a good team to, tackle opportunities that it has so to evolve the platforms to keep the growth going so early days um there, there are some trackers of companies that have kind of seen them the growth actually be strong still in the early part of this year so that that's a good sign um so the, the key will be how the 2022 growth looks and i i'm reasonably confident that as they put dollars to invest in the platform keep you know basically the, the platform changing and improving that they'll be able to but yeah they've definitely got to prove it out as to whether this was just a easy acquisition of people or it's people that were going to be on roblox anyways perfect what about uh 50 of the audience is under 13 right uh that creates huge content moderation issues this is kind of timely because yeah. over the weekend there's a wall street journal article on Hey, I, I went and looked and my seven-year-old was in like a dominatrix world or something. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's going to raise questions. And I do think one of the long-term things is you very well could wake up tomorrow to a thing that says, Hey, we found child pornography on Roblox or, yeah. or, or something, something very bad. And you get investigations, app stores, kicking them off. You know, this is in effect, this is a company that is monetizing uh, people under 13. Now they're providing them, you know, games and stuff. I, I don't want to say there's but they're the majority of the revenue is coming from people under 13 and that creates huge issues around that. So how do you think through that risk? Well, first it's, uh, it's the parents of people, the credit cards of parents of they're, kids. Under they're monetizing 13. you. They're just doing it indirectly <laughs> through your kid. No, no, but it's a great point. And I, and I read the, I obviously read the, the, the wall street journal article and I, I do monitor my, my son and I have seen things that are inappropriate and I, I have flagged it and, and I do think they take it seriously. And I think, look, it's it, this is going to be a, something that they have to constantly invest in. We've seen times how YouTube has gotten into trouble, um, has Facebook and other platforms as well, with, with particularly with kids. You don't want to, sh- there's certain things that kids just shouldn't be seeing in, online. And I think, you know, it's it's one of their biggest expenses that they spent over $200 million in, 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 in safety, um, something that they take very, very seriously. Um, and it's in all it's it's a very complex problem because you can have the 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 Wall Street Journal article basically show graffiti that was inappropriate in within a game. So how do you even detect like a graffiti that's inappropriate? How do you detect like a dance move that might not be a dance move can be sexual that that an avatar is doing sound music that's inappropriate for the user? So it's a fairly complex problem. They're putting a, a lot of money to it. Um, my experience when I've there's it's been few, but I flag things and it's it's been taken out fairly quickly. So I, I do think that's a problem. Um but but also they're they're putting a lot of dollars behind it. And I think they can, you know, we've seen over time how YouTube has, you know, basically improved because of that. Um 
and we they're, they're basically going to do a rating system now that i think that came out in the wall street journal article and i think that will help out and we've seen look in facebook it's you can't go on facebook and you, you know you're not going to see porn on facebook right so there's some of these companies are become really really good at basically taking things out and they'll have hiccups um but but i think they'll improve over time and we'll, we'll see yeah it's not something i can really defend because i've seen sometimes things are inappropriate but i i do think they're they're you can see it it's it's a line item right safety i think they call it let me look it up now it's a infrastructure trust and safety is a an income statement line item for them i don't think you see that for 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 many companies so uh so they're they're putting the resources behind it so we'll i think they'll they'll get better over time I wonder if you and I are describing it as a risk, but in the long run, in the long run, it's actually a scale benefit for them and it increases their moat. You know, I think back to GDPR with Google, Facebook, and all these, and the initial thing was, oh, this is going to be a huge expense for them. And then in the long run, it was, oh no. And some people were pointing this out at the time. This is actually a huge benefit for these guys because they are the only companies that can pay these costs. Any yeah. other, you know, startup or something is going to be booted off. And for for Roblox, I wonder if it's one step f- further because not only are they the only company who pay these costs, but you know, you as a parent, if your child comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to grow, go download knockoff Roblox competitor," it, you don't know if they're doing the the type of screening. Whereas with Roblox, yes, things might slip through the c- cracks, but at least you know that they are trying to screen it, and you're not downloading. You know, th- there are lots of issues with App Store where you've downloaded a game that you think's one thing and it turns out to be another. So at least you know there's the effort is being made here, and they're probably weeding things up pretty quickly. Yeah, you you know when you sign up, you gotta you gotta. You I have basically had to onboard my son, but you gotta put their put their age. You're kind of you're kind of flagged as under thirteen if you're under yep. thirteen. So you you can't go into some, certain experiences if you're under the age. And sometimes there's been kind of things that kind of slip through, but that that'll be corrected over time. But that, yeah, it's a huge expense. It's gonna increase as an expense. I don't think that's something that they can lever as a as a fixed cost in terms of operating leverage anytime soon. Um, so it'll be hard to replicate that. There's a billion chat messages a day on on Roblox. So at, what are people telling each other, right? If someone's saying that they're 13, but they're like 50 and they're talking to a seven-year-old, it's a, it's a very, very complex issue. They're going to introduce voice chatting now. Um, things that I've read, I think if you're, if you're under 18, I think you're not, you might not be access to that feature. Or, or another age. So it's a very complex problem. So I think it could be actually a, a, a scale benefit, like you said, over time, but it's, it's something that's, it's not an easy problem um, to tackle. You mentioned, uh, look, we've mentioned two things that I think are interesting here. You said a billion messages a day thrown over there and then robots, right? They've got this, this uh, digital currency that funds yeah. their economy. And I do wonder like, are there opportunities to spin these things out and make them bigger? You know, like, could they spin out a voice messaging thing that Fortnite had the, vo- the voice messaging where even if you weren't playing Fortnite, you could use it to connect to your friends, yeah. right? And I don't think much has come of that, but I look at Robux and they have a, a fully functioning digital ecosystem. Like, could this expand to be a digital currency? And like, it, it would almost be too much proving that we're in a simulation. If like yeah. everything <laughs> Bitcoin was supposed to be, it ends up that this digital currency Robux is the, the digital currency of the future. I don't think that's where we're going, but yeah, you, you could see the possibilities build out. So how do you think about all these like kind of different opportunities to explain the, pa- the platform? So in terms of chatting and voice chatting, and if you think about, um, you know, eventually you and I can watch a movie together within Roblox um, and things like that and talk to each other and being interactive. I think there's a lot of opportunities that we're not even thinking about today in terms of how you can leverage chatting and, and communication. 
Um, I'm not going to say exactly what, because I'm, I'm not sure how, how that will evolve, but I'm confident that they're probably thinking about that. I think they've done basically zoom like interviews uh, within Roblox when they had the Easter egg hunt for uh, the author of ready player Two, um, Dave Bazuki, the CEO of, of Roblox, which by the way, is a very important part of, of the thesis and, and the company. That's the next um, question actually. Yeah. But, but he, he basically had like a zoom like experience within Roblox with the author of Ready Player Two, that's not something that's a feature that's available to basically anyone yet. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can leverage in terms of communication. In terms of the currency, I think spinning that currency, you know, the, basically they set the exchange rates, right? And they're going to ex- set those exchange rates to, to benefit, you know, basically themselves um, as a business, but also I think creators. Over, I think um, I think they generally want to increase uh, the payouts uh, because I think it's going to be good business any in the long term is if you, if you get developers more. So as having that infrastructure where, how people pay for the currency. Now they, they also have a subscription as well. That's fairly new that you kind of buy a certain amount of currency. And, and what they said is that people who, who have the subscription are actually extremely likely to, to spend the money that they get monthly, but also spend even buy even more currency. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so kind of having that currency system and payment and knowing how, how users buy things and interact and then, having the currency that developers get that currency and be able to use that same currency to, to pay for things in the developer studio marketplace as well. So there's a, a, a marketplace between developers, between user and developers, between users and develop and creators, what they call in the, the avatar store, just having that kind of ecosystem is extremely hard, but in terms of, so I think that's a huge advantage of having the currency, but in terms of like spinning it out and having it trade on, on Coinbase or something like that, I think that's, uh, you never know, but that that's, I think that's uh, not going to happen anytime soon. I wasn't, well, Coinbase, being, but I, I w- was thinking, you know, I, I could see, Hey, you're, you get the Roblox subscription and uh, you know, 15 different video services or something could take Roblox and kids could go use Roblox to subscribe to. I, I don't even know. Yeah, but it, there's it is, ways. Yeah. There's ways you can leverage. And I think a, a part of the subscription also I wanted to mention that's interesting is that one of the reasons they say they're doing it is that because they, they want to pay developers who don't necessarily want kind of like a, to ask users for money. So what they do, they have a, a an engagement payout system now that's fairly new. But if you're a, a subscriber, so you're like a Roblox premium uh, user and you are in a, in, an exp- in a game that doesn't require me to spend in the game, then that developer actually gets engagement-based payouts based on the number of premium subscribers in those games. So what they want is developers to not necessarily have to create a monetization system themselves, but to have the incentives to have a lot of engagement and then be able to pay developers who have a bunch of engagement based on the amount of premiums of users that are that engage with the platform. So that's something interesting that's still in their early days, but, but yeah, leveraging subscriptions and currency and and in terms of other adjacent type of business could, could be fairly beneficial to them uh, long-term, but it'll, my guess will be as good as yours in terms of how that'll evolve. Yeah, I think that paying paying people based on paying developers based on engagement in their games, it's such a great idea. But I do think it's just a really good idea, and it's really interesting. And you you could see right three years from now they say, hey, we've got a billion dollars in recurring revenue from these subscriptions. You know, put a number of users who are doing this. We pay you know fifty percent of it out to developers, but value this five hundred million dollar 
subscription stream plus you know the average person who subscribes who've got their credit card and they on average pay an extra you know five times in buying one-off things and we've got developers who are developing these great games that people spend hours and hours in and they're they're making tons of money without selling anything it, it yeah. seems great Go the, one last point on the um the currency the business model benefit to them as a as a corporation as a business is that you and i can you know buy the currency today by the, you know we buy you know it's it takes sweet, sweet time float. so it there's float there's float uh we fe- will spend it fairly quickly but then the developer gets it they might have to accumulate a certain amount before they cash out maybe they spend it to the studio marketplace so by the time our dollars go in the the, the checking account of the the developer time can pass by so that's why they they believe like they'll be able to convert over the long term over 25% of bookings into free cash flow and last year was about 21 i think um the years before it was fairly lower but i think at scale and having that currency even if you're paying out more percentage wise to developers it, it has huge business model benefits in that sense and this is a business that didn't need to raise a lot of money throughout his history i mean they raised you know, direct listing. So they didn't raise money there in March. In January, they raised 500 million. But before that, I think they had raised less than 400 million in their entire history. So before that, 500 million. And they have a billion and a half in cash, right? And they've only raised like $900 million in their entire history. Um, so I think they're, they're, it, it shows that at scale, the currency, the infrastructure, the float does have huge business model benefits. Why, why only 25% free cash flow margins from booking at uh, at scale? It seemed just off the top of my head, it seems this should be higher. Could you like break down a $1 booking? How much of that is going to a developer? How much of that do you think goes to cover overhead and how much drops to the bottom line? So yeah, so that's what they said at scale, at scale long-term. Um, last year, and so I'm not you know, completely off. Like last year, they paid out over 17% of, of bookings to developers when they exchanged it, right? Um, so that's when the developer decides to exchange. So that could be higher this year. Um, there's one thing that 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 probably will throw the wrench at the reasoning that you think that it should be higher than 25% is, is, is the Apple tax, right? So this is this is a platform that's, you know, two, uh, th- three quarters of it is, is engaged in, in mobile. And when you buy the currency in, in the mobile app, you're paying Apple uh, 30%. Uh, so just paying, and when you do it in Android, you're paying Google 30%. So, hey, uh, Fortnite and, and you know, Epic Games and Apple are battling and people are starting to push back on Apple, but you, you can't bet on that take reducing. So I think having to pay Apple and Google's a, a huge percentage of revenues off the bat, I think that's what kind of, uh, you know, Pushes down the, the 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 bookings as a percent of the cash flow as a percentage of bookings long term, but but yeah, it, it could definitely at at huge scale, uh, right? I mean, marketing sales and marketing was like three percent of, of of last year's bookings. Uh, this is a company that hasn't had to spend a lot of money in terms of acquiring users. Uh, so you're probably right that it should be. Some people have said it's conservative, the twenty five percent plus. But but I do think having to pay Apple and Google a lot of money is going to put pressure on that, though. Yeah, this just seems to me like off the top of my head. And again, I, I do work to study these things, but I haven't done insane amounts of work. It seems to me that this should be a 40 to 
50% uh, free cash flow margin business in the long term. But that's really interesting. They're paying the Apple tax because you get a free call option, right? If the Apple tax ever goes from 30 to yeah. 10%, well, they just took their long-term margins from 25 to 40%. And uh, I, they also, with their user base and their dedicated user base, I'm surprised they haven't pulled the Netflix and said, hey, you've got to go put your credit card info in directly into a website and just try to skip the Apple tax. Yeah, they do gift cards. So if you go to the Walgreens or a gas station or, or any store, basically you can buy a gift card and you basically have to go to their website you know, on a, on a PC or a browser and then put that gift card in cash in an account Roblox that then gets converted into currency. Yeah. So, so there, there's some loopholes. Um, They kind of nudge you to get the subscription outside of the app. Um, Cause I think we, you get a, yeah. a, a better, a better kind of, you pay a monthly amount and then you get a certain amount of currency. And I think if you do that outside of the Apple app, you do it in a, in a browser, you get a little bit more uh, the, of the Roblox currency. So there are some things that they can do, but I think they've decided not to pull the Netflix yet, quite yet, in terms of whenever you want to buy currency, it's got to be outside of the app in terms of a browser. Yeah, no, it's just interesting because you say 25% free cash flow margins. My first thing is like, they're already at 20%. This strikes me as it should be way, way higher longer term. So I feel like there's some interest there. Let's talk management. This is actually the area I've done the least work, but uh, can we talk CEO management, how you look at them? Yeah, I think it's it's a really founder, visionary-led company. Uh, Dave Bazuki founded uh, this company in, in 2006, and he had like a a physics rendering 3D kind of company before that that he sold, and then his then started Roblox, which is what he really wanted to do and, and kind of simulate a, a a a physics environment in 3D. And where people can come in there and play, and then they can create their own things. And it was he kind of pushed that vision on fairly early, uh, fairly visionary. He had a co-founder that unfortunately died of cancer uh, a couple of years after founding the company. Um, but he, they have like developer conferences every year, and he has his big speech and talks about these big goals of of when you know, you know, when the president of the U.S. Of the United States will use Roblox, and when there'll be a Roblox when the when does when will IP create out of Roblox that will be made of movies and put these huge goals in front of the company? Um, he has super voting uh, shares, but one interesting aspect of it is that after 10 years, his super voting shares will revert to normal voting shares. So that's not something I you, you might've seen that with other companies before, but I don't think kind of like Mark Zuckerberg is convert is going to convert his super voting shares. There was or a lawsuit <laughs> over Zuckerberg converting his shares. The only company, only other company I can think that did that, I believe Yelp did that a couple years okay. ago. Uh, yeah. So, so 10 years is still a huge amount of time, but I think it shows that kind of like, hey, you know, either you pull this off in over 10 years or if it doesn't really grow big, then it won't, it won't matter. But a different type of, of company, they, they kind of, cre- they try to create kind of a sort of like, I think what Amazon, Amazon calls like primitives in terms of like little groups within the company and then kind of foster kind of a competitiveness and, and, and putting out goals and creating autonomy. They, they recently, a couple of weeks ago, they had like their all employees get like a spring break apparently. Um, so you get a couple uh, a week or, or so of like, just kind of relaxing. Uh, but it, it's, it's kind of quirky in a way, visionary way, but, but different and long-term focused um, and, and thinking really kind of grandiose in and I think he's, you know, been battling and creating and fighting for this company over, you know, 
over a decade and seeing it grow. And now he has a lot of resources to really push of where he, he could really take this company. So I think Dave Bazuki is a, an extremely important part of, of the, of the, the investment in the company and having his kind of, cause you know, when you have a CEO who really believes in where they're going and really puts the, 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 the capital behind that and they're executing, I think that's very powerful when you have a more business minded of like, Hey, we're, how do I extract capital? How do I, you know, maybe pay it out to shareholders. And obviously companies are in different life cycles and d- different strategies are warranted, but I think his kind of vision and pushing that, um, I think is really important for the company is, is there's many of his, there, he's been in a, on a couple of podcasts and he's talked about how he views the company and the, and the, the two flywheels that I talked about that he mentions. Uh, so I think it's a very, very important part of the company. It's, it'd be very material if he all of a sudden steps away or, or, or is out. It's, it's also shows that like, Hey, this is a company that it probably would be very, very beneficial for a Microsoft to buy for a, a Facebook to buy. I think, there's a quote that in my write-up I, I have a Mark Zuckerberg of like, what's the perfect social network? Like what's the holy grail of social networks is really when you feel that you're experiencing something with, with somebody else in, in the virtual virtual space. And this is what they're, they're, they're shooting to obtain. And it's really powerful. You know, if you go with a friend, write formula one cars or, vi- you know, voice chatting, chatting, and then spending together money and, it, that's more powerful than like kind of like commenting on a picture or liking a picture or or, or something like that or, or seeing a story and putting an emoji reacting to it so i think having him there makes like you're really not going to sell the company because they're just going to really go after that opportunity so I, I i think it's it's a really important part of it but i do think it's a valuable business for for others and i think i'm sure microsoft would love it and others but i don't think that's even that's going to be I wouldn't say that's part of the investment case at all because they're really going to go after the opportunity that they see. So companies got uh, 1.4 billion dollars in cash on their balance sheet. Uh, yep. They've only raised 900 million. I, I don't. I don't think they're ever going to need to raise money again off this round. I mean, the company's already generating cash flow. I think this is going to just. You and I had the discussion earlier. I think this is going to mint cash flow going forward. So, uh, my question is uh, how do you look at capital allocation going forward? Like, I've got my personal preference and thought, but I'm interested to you. Is this are they going to go do some acquisitions, aqua hires? Are they going to look to the technology? Is this a return of capital story? How do you look at that? I don't think it's a return of capital story. I, I, there's a couple of things they're going to do. I think that short term, they're going to take down free cash flow. They had over 400 million last year in free cash flows. I think short term, they're really going to build up a, a, a better commercial team, more people, improve the tools. Uh, they're also, they try to not rely on third-party cloud services. They want to have it all in-house. They're spending a lot on, on cloud infrastructure. And I think that they believe that's a benefit to them long-term versus being basically paying a rent to AWS and Microsoft. Um, the other part is they have made some smaller acquisitions. They made like they, this, this tech company that uses kind of AI to kind of detect your kind of intelligence really and IQ, like an S like a more advanced SAT based on AI. Um, they bought like an avatar company as well. Why, do to, they need, why are they detecting people's intelligence? Well, I think they want to spot um, talented developers early. Okay. And then, okay. And then give this. So, you, what they have like uh, camps and conferences where they find like really like young, promising developers that create an ex- a game or an experience that is getting a lot of engagement and they want to give those people more resources. Some of these are fairly young and they're, they're trying to evolve the platform from being kind of like, well, oh, 
you know, a random person working on a game and giving them tools to kind of pushing them to like create teams, create companies. There've been some venture deals for companies that are exclusively making games on, on Roblox. And, and so they want to spot talent early that are creating great games and content. And I think that's might be a part of, of the reasoning for the acquisition, but you, um, you can just see why you say, Oh yeah, here's this company that's got a, a bunch of children on it. And they're, they're, <laughs> they've got AI to sort out intelligence pretty early. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that seems like it could go weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I could see that, but, but yeah, if they spot talent early and you know, they have those IQ tests and they can give those people more resources, but, but yeah. Could see how that could sound weird as well. <laughs> so uh, let's talk Endgame here. Uh, I, I agree. I think a lot of different companies would like to acquire them. Uh, I, I think we could have a debate on price and value and all that. But you know, right now, Roblox trading seventy five dollars per share, valued around forty billion. Uh, I think you laid out in your letter how you think the financials look. Call it five years from now, but I, I'll take it from the horse's mouth. You know, when we're looking at this five years, what do you think the financials look like? What What do you think kind of the the base case upside that you're playing for when you when you buy this stock is? So I think there's two things. Um, either this really becomes a platform that can have hundreds of millions of daily active users. And then if you're at, you know, I talked about a scenario where they're above 300 million and you can really easily get to extremely high free cash flow numbers there. Or this becomes a sort of like, they kind of like, like you said, 75% of nine through 12, they might get a little kids a little older, a little younger, but it's really not going to expand to those hundreds of millions. And it'll just, you know, probably generate a, a, a couple billion or a billion in free, over a billion in free, you know, they were already 400 million last year. So you can get a couple billion or a billion and it'll be a high multiple and maybe won't be worth as much but it won't be kind of a huge dis- destruction of, of value. What I kind of talk about is like, look, this is a, a global business, highly, highly engaging, very, very social, where it evolves, 8 million people developing. Obviously, the cream of, 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 the, of, the, of the top basically make all the money and it's, it's a lot smaller, but it'll be more over time, more shots and goal in terms of having huge experiences that explode on the platform. And if they can keep pushing, they're evolving, it, um, grow the audience. You, I could see them uh, get you know to the hundreds of millions of daily active users that uh, Snapchat has. I think Snapchat has around two, some over two hundred million daily active users. I forget the exact number. And and this is this this business is this platform is way more engaging. People are on there more. They're spending money. They're they're maybe not chatting with friends as much, obviously as, as Snapchat but it can get close to that. And if you get to those numbers, right? If you get just get to the daily active users that Snapchat has, is I have a, a very, very powerful business model that just has, it'll make the free cash flow multiple look fairly low, right? Because if you can get to 300 million daily active users, probably you're gonna get tens of billions of revenues. And at the margins that we talked about, um, it'll fairly attractive compared to today's stock price. I think it'll take time, right? You know, not necessarily in five years to get to 300 million users. I think within 10, they could probably get there. But it's, this is also something that if it's really, really working, it's going to accelerate faster at, at some point. Um, not this year, because you compare it with COVID and they're still building up different uh, capabilities. But that's how I really think about it. And look, the caveat is um, 
you know, you and I are, are, are invested in the cable business and we both like, for example, Charter and Charter prints out free cash flow and they buy back stock. This is not Charter, right? Um, I don't size it like a Charter. I don't look at it as a Charter, but I look at it as a, as a business that they've really done something special and unique, very, very hard to replicate. And if they really can go up the, uh, after the bigger global opportunity that they're seeing, it just dwarfs the, the market cap that they have today. And the, you know, the, the business model is fairly, you know, doesn't consume capital. Um, they have float and they have a focus management team. So that's how I could, would sort of put it all together in terms of how I see the opportunity and, and, and weight it up appropriately. The, the two but, things that I, uh, you mentioned charter in there and you said they buy back. I, I mean, when I look at this business and the economics and the free cash flow of it, I would be shocked if they're not buying back cat, buying back stock in the next call it two years. And I, I think over time, this becomes a, a levered return on capital plus growth story. And you mentioned Snapchat, which I do think is interesting for Roblox where you know Snapchat, when it was at $5 per share, there were a lot of stuff going on, but it was getting valued like that because people looked at it as a product at that time, right? They, yeah. It was a one, com- one app company with a product. And now it's, I, I don't even know what it's at, but it, it's, you know, more than 10x. And the difference yeah. is they evolved from a product to a platform. And I look at Roblox and I think they're getting some credit for it. You know, if they were only getting valued as a product, it's yeah. be a $5 billion company. They're getting some credit for it. But when you look at the platform and, you know, I do have some visions of YouTube here. I think YouTube, gen, bigger general audience, but a lot less engagement. You know, if, if you look at it, I'm buying YouTube uh, at a 40 or $50 billion valuation, like, you can see the big upside if they successfully execute on that kind of platform opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think we, <laughs> this has been really interesting. We've talked a ton. Anything you want to say to wrap this up? Anything you wish we had hit harder or anything? No, I, th- I think, I mean, I think we covered, I think we covered basically all the, all the main points. Um, Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, this is a super interesting one. I, you know, I, I could just see running this back. In, I, I don't have a position now I'm going to keep working on and looking at, but I, I could just see running this ba- conversation back three years from now and being like, oh, yeah, it was a 5X and here was the exact thing. It was buying into YouTube early. Or I could also see, oh, yeah, Microsoft bought them yeah. for pennies on the dollar because yeah. the, the network effects. They, like, could, right? they, could also, they could also have a hiccup and then have a decline kind of like Snapchat gave where people lose trust. And then maybe that's a bigger bargain opportunity. It's not out of, out of the question, but there's a lot of scenarios with what can happen here. But I, I do think that long-term, if they do execute it, the upside is, is is fairly big. All right. Last question. Falcon and Winter Soldier, five episodes in. How are you feeling about it so far? Feeling good. Uh, love it, man. Um, they, that, I wonder, you know, it's kind of nice to explore those uh, characters and in, in, in more in depth, but I feel like ah, six episodes seems tight where, where this is going, but I, I, w- I hope they can stick the landing. Um, Cause it seems like it's going to culminate in a big kind of a kind of battle, but it's pretty impressive. What, what, what Disney is doing with how they're upping their game. Marvel studios is upping their game for, for Disney plus. So v- very excited about it. How, how, are you, how are you liking the show? I've really enjoyed it. I, I didn't like WandaVision that much. I thought it was just way too slow and there was always that hint of mystery, but I, I've just really loved, I enjoy it, but I love the moments where that you get like the quiet time with Sam at home and like kind of exploring when Sam went to the bank and it was like, <laughs> you've always wondered that, but, and it drove the plot, but it was also just really interesting to see like, Hey, here's this Avenger who doesn't come from money. How does he get money? Uh, so B- yeah. Bill Brewster called me. He's like, are you kidding me that Falcon can get a loan from the bank? This is BS, but but I thought it was funny. Still, 
um, it, it was nice those moments, you know, where they're where they're quietly, you know, Bucky and 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 Falcon, they're kind of building, you know, repairing the boat and talking and chatting, and all of a sudden you get, I don't want to, you know, do spoilers, but different angles from different movies kind of colliding with with the show. Uh, so it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I think I'm excited. the The trailer for Shang Chi dropped. I haven't watched it yet, but dropped this morning. So that should that should be fun too. Uh, for those who don't know, Francisco, you know, he, again, only a handful of stocks and one of them is Disney. So you got to, you got to ask Disney and maybe next time <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking Disney. We'll be talking charter. Who knows? But Francisco, this was awesome. uh, great. Thanks was for giving great. us your Roblox thesis and we will chat soon. Awesome. Thank you.